The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Rotorol Football Show. I am Patrick Doherty, joined by Denny Carter and Lawrence Jackson on Thursday, May 25th. Not a lot to talk about right now. In the news front, at least, that is. I've been a few like minor OTA injuries, kind of stuff that everyone's forgotten about in a few weeks. But plenty to talk about in the drafting world, actually, is we now, you know, the, the explosion of best ball has led to very reliable, very good ADP data, like very early in the offseason, much earlier than we used to get. Some of the legacy services aren't even drafting yet, but best ball is raging. We have ADPs to debate. And we're going to bring in some players we think are being overdrafted and underdrafted after, what, two or three months of best ball drafting here. And kind of just give people an idea, people who might not be playing best ball, like a lot of our redraft listeners, just you know, a snapshot of what the, the early ADPs are, how they might change what we think you know, is too high or too low. Yeah. Uh, but first, Denny, you wanted to talk about the too high number of foot surgeries that Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> has been undergoing the past two years. What is the latest developments in Jimmy G and Raiders land? Yeah, so uh, it looks like Jimmy G may or may not be ready for week one uh, after undergoing foot surgery a full, not one, not two, not even three, but four months after he suffered his foot injury against the Dolphins in week 13. Uh, propelling Brock Purdy, of course, to his Hall of Fame career, and on, and uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm just, that was Sam Darnold shade. I didn't mean it. Uh, and you know, but but now now we have basically um, a Raiders team without without a quarterback for the next few months as as Jimmy G recovers. Uh, this is the time of year where Garoppolo is supposed to be creating chemistry with maybe I don't know Devontae Adams, who is not happy about things. Uh, he's supposed to be learning the system or maybe relearning it under Josh McDaniels, he's not going to be able to do that. And I find the timing of this procedure curious. I think it it falls in line with a, with a history of Jimmy Garoppolo uh, having curious timing with his surgeries to uh, miss work. I think this is the key here. Danny, I believe you referred to him in a text off show as a labor hero. Um, because he is very good at turning his work injuries into personal leisure time, basically. Yeah. And making sure he's not going under the knife until it's most costly for the company. And I, I speak for management everywhere, by the way, when I say, we're going to get you, Denny. We're going to get you. <laughs> I, I, I'm, not mad, I'm not mad at him at all. I mean, like, Denny, if you, uh, you know, you you here, you work at NBC Sports Roto World. If you could get away, right, with doing absolutely nothing mm-hmm. until week one, wouldn't you do it? I know I would. You know, uh I would say yes, uh, if I if I were, you know, a real a real working class hero. But Pat knows that I actually uh can't can't do nothing. I can't I cannot. Like even when I don't have to do anything, I end up doing stuff. Uh, I, so, so I guess the, I guess the answer is no, but I couldn't blame, I couldn't blame anybody. I just, I, I do think that this Raiders situation is headed toward utter disaster. This Complete is. fiasco. And yes, yeah. Denny, 
presents himself as man of the people. And by the way, he never stops working and he never stops golfing. What were you going to say, Lawrence? Yeah, I mean, e- even without this little injury thing, I mean, my man Jimmy G just don't like practicing. Like, he like AI. Like, practice? He don't need practice. <laughs> he could come in there and do what he's been doing, you know, the rest of his career. So he don't need your little practices, you know. Uh, but, hey, never fear. Never fear. Brian Hoyer is here. Oh, my gosh. How is that seriously, like, not parody and he actually is the backup? Because it is true, and I just can't really decide. I can't tell what Jimmy G likes about football, period, where he doesn't really like playing it. I don't think he particularly likes the camaraderie <laughs> and locker room aspect of it. So I'm reminded of he was always known for being a bit aloof. And then they asked Kyle Shanahan in March, has he spoken to Jimmy Garoppolo since his move to Las Vegas? And his quote was, that would be impossible. You have got to run into Jimmy to have a conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe Jimmy's just really good at being unplugged in these two connected times, but it doesn't really seem like he likes playing or that he likes the brotherhood of NFL. Shanahan uh, was very upfront with saying that uh, you don't talk to Jimmy. Jimmy talks to you. Yes. And uh, and I think that that's that's the the way it goes. But you, you know what? Look, when you're that handsome, when you're making that much money, Maybe it just doesn't matter. I, I get that. Well, I say but, maybe be better yeah. than the 23rd best quarterback in the NFL, though. If you're going to try to pull that off, is all I would say. But I, but see, what Den, alluding to what Denny said, you know, he got the looks. He's more of like a, one of them QBs you see in the movies. So it's like, you know, he, he a good-looking dude, and he's the quarterback. You don't actually got to play quarterback. Just be the quarterback. True. You know what I'm saying? Just be the quarterback off the field, and you good to go. He looks, he looks like a court. No one could accuse Jimmy Garoppolo of not looking like a quarterback. He looks That's like true. Inhabit the aura of a quarterback who looks like he's a strike breaker in a film about like a football strike or something. I think what was that movie? The replacements yeah. with Keanu Reeves uh, on uh, another famously beautiful quarterback. Uh, Keanu, yeah. Way too handsome to be a football player. Yes. But uh, I don't know. Jimmy G, uh, if you're listening, we hope the foot gets better soon. Uh, the rest of these football players listening, uh, the ones we're going to say overdrafted, uh, we hope you're not listening. And Lawrence, you you want to get the show started with a banger, I feel like, right out of the gate. There is a certain quarterback who is pretty much the darling of analytics eyes, like the kind of player they never stop talking about, even though he's never won anything or done anything. Uh, which yeah. quarterback do you think is being overdrafted early in yeah. the offseason? Yeah, well, uh, Justin Herbert, I almost said Fields, but uh, he's not being over there. Uh, Justin Herbert right now with the uh, underdog ADP going quarterback number seven. I I don't really have a problem with that. It's just that if you wait a little longer, you know, there's, there's a Geno Smith. There's a, a two attack of lower. You like the running quarterbacks in fantasy? There's a Daniel Jones who – Based on <clears throat> based on last season, you know, you could get that same, if not better, production. All all the quarterbacks I just named outproduced him uh last season, despite the fact that he was throwing the ball 41 times a game. That's not an exaggeration. Justin Herbert threw the ball 41 times per game. And I know he was hurt. Right. He was hurt here and there. He had the ribs, you know, the little rib injury there. But then if it's that bad, why are you throwing 41 times a game? Um, so, you know, um, calling the draft him at quarterback seven. But if that's the case, I'm either drafting, you know, the top, top dogs like the Josh Allens, the Patrick Mahomes, the Jalen Hurts. Or when I get to that spot of these milling quarterbacks, I'm just going to lag behind a little bit because a Daniel Jones and a Geno Smith and a Tua, they're not, you know, as much of a name as a Justin Herbert. They don't have the same beautiful blonde curly locks that Justin Herbert has. So I almost said Gerbert when I meant to say Gerber because he looks like such a young man, you know what I'm saying? So I I think Justin Herbert is is being – is going to be getting overdrafted based on that great rookie season that he had. Yeah, Denny, what do you think of the idea of maybe Herbert hasn't tiered himself up? Because he does he basically gets put in the elite tier of quarterbacks in the NFL without having like truly gotten there. In 2021, he did have the 38 touchdown season. He did have the monster fantasy season, I think over 5,000 yards. Uh, major, major regression last year. As Lawrence said, he was hurt. 
The receiver core was really hurt. Of course, the, the the core of that injured receiver core is still his most important pass catchers. They have added a first-round receiver in Quentin Johnston, uh, a guy, though, who's known as maybe not always playing up to a size despite being, like, the big receiver in this draft class, and maybe someone who's going to have a bit of a learning curve. What do you think about Herbert's odds of getting back more to his 2021 play than his 2022 play? I, I don't I don't hate the odds, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Uh, it's going to sound funny. It's going to sound like this is a bit, but it's not a bit. Uh, guys, uh, Jalen Guyton is back. Sure. Uh, and, you were, waiting, uh, <laughs> were you waiting for booze? Were you waiting for applause? We you just said that, and we just neither one of us had any reaction whatsoever. Yeah. Who? No, I mean, he, I was he, honestly, I was reading my screen to see if the email came through that saying that your termination can move. Oh no, I get with you. I I kind of see where he' about to go with this. Continue. He's the only game. fast receiver on the whole team. That's it. it you know, <laughs> Quentin Johnson's not fast. Uh, Mike Williams definitely not fast. Keenan Allen, maybe the slowest starting receiver in the NFL. So. You know, I mean, they they have they they will have someone presumably to run real fast downfield and maybe catch some balls from Justin Herbert. They also have a new offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore, who I'm hoping will be more creative, uh, especially with play action, with using motion, pre-snap motion, and more aggressive uh, throwing downfield. I'm going to tell you a stat that made me tear up a little uh, the other day when I was doing some research for the magazine for the draft magazine. Um, Matt Ryan was the only quarterback in the in the league last year who had a lower air yards per attempt than Justin Herbert. Mm, mm, mm. You know, I mean, and Justin Herbert can throw the football through a brick wall. He can okay? spin it, I believe, per, per, per the analytics. So uh, we're hoping we're hoping that we get more downfield throwing. You know, his adjusted yards per attempt plummeted last year. Also, his touchdown rate dropped significantly last year. But I guess that's what happens when you're just checking it down constantly. I, I'm I, yeah. the the hope is that he can get back to throwing it downfield more. But if he doesn't, he probably will be overdrafted. You're right, Lawrence. It, it, so like that's what I'm thinking. Like Kellen Moore is brought in so they can throw the ball down the field more. And if that happens, hey, you you might you might have got me. But then at that same token, that's taken away from Austin Eckler, who had a career high 107 receptions. Now, maybe he doesn't get that this year, but he usually hovers around 90. So if they're throwing the ball down the field, then that's taken away from Austin Eckler, you know, being a top three, a top three running back locked in. The only thing I'll say about Herbert is that it's kind of become like an article of faith on fantasy Twitter the, like the short passing was like Joe Lombardi saw it, like Joe Lombardi's gone. Like, right. thank God. Uh, now like Justin Herbert will start going down the field again. You know, Kellen Moore is there and Kellen Moore produced crazy fantasy numbers with the Cowboys with his quarterback and his receivers. The only thing I'll say is that what if it's not Joe Lombardi and what if it really was Justin Herbert? And this is why Justin Herbert was such a controversial prospect coming into the NFL. Yeah. People when you watched, that. when you watched him at Oregon, it seemed like despite having all the physical tools in the world, like this guy just checks down all the time, and you know the narrative was, oh man, the Oregon coaching staff just really, really bungled the way they used Justin Herbert and like underutilized his tools. And then as a rookie, and then mostly as a sophomore, it seemed like that was true. But it just seems like he's been like retreating back into that shell. And just hopefully, it was Joe Lombardi. Hopefully, it was the injury last year and him trying to protect his ribs because that's kind of thing that happens in like September of a football season. I mean, sore ribs are going to bother you. The rest for of the sure, year. for sure. He did play. He did play a lot of uh, good uh, situational football and was good. At, and that's what you know. That was the difference in them actually getting to the playoffs in real football. Like they played the Miami Dolphins last year on prime time, and he checked the ball down the whole game. Well, the Miami defense couldn't cover it, so that's all he had to do. He threw it fifty something times. And it took him 50 throws to get the to 350 passing yards, but it, it worked that game. You know, one thing I, I keep coming back to when I, I want to defend Herbert is the fact that the league has transformed into a league full of checkdowns. Like, uh, that's awful. just the way it is now. Like, to me, you know, every time – the schedule comes out and it's like, oh, we get Chiefs Bills, we get Chiefs Bengals, we get who cares? It's boring. <laughs> it's boring. It's it's a it's it's Joe Burrow dropping back fifty five oh times and checking down to Samaj P Ryan fifty five. Like 
Like that, that that's you know, th- there is no more real like electric downfield stuff that we used to get because teams Except have said Dolphins. you're not doing it anymore. Like you're we're putting two safeties 45 yards off the line of scrimmage and you're not doing it anymore. And this is the Mahomes effect, obviously, and I hate it. So. Dude, I don't know, man. Is- Jamar Chase might have something to say about what you just said, Denny. Oh. Yeah, Denny. And I, I just say this is the closest you've ever come to outright saying there is no difference between good and bad things. Well, so you're I not mean, even looking forward to a Burrow-Josh Allen game. You, well, you you have – I mean, you. it's exciting because they're exciting players and Mahomes will run around – 15 different ways to check down to Travis Kelsey five yards off the line. So that is exciting. There's no difference between good and bad things in Denny's world. Uh, Lawrence, you have another player you believe is being overdrafted here today on May 25th. I believe it is a running back. Who is it? Yeah, uh, that's going to be a uh, Kenneth Walker for me. Um, now, obviously during these times around the draft, <clears throat> you take a lot of things what coaches say with a grain of salt unless there's evidence showing that you should shouldn't take it that way but uh you know we know the history of Pete Carroll when he doesn't have a guy like Marshawn Lynch which we thought that was the case with the Kenneth Walker but them taking uh Zach Charbonnet in the second round and then saying how you know they're going to be some great one-two punch I would uh just uh pump the brakes a little bit at the uh running back 15 uh ADP right there. Instead, I'll go for guys who are on weaker teams, but getting the full uh, workload uh, like a Cam Akers. Um, I expect J.K. Dobbins to take a more prominent role this year. Those are a couple of guys around that same area that I'd rather have just simply based on what Pete Carroll has said. What I'll say with the Seahawks backfield is that I just don't, I don't know. I can't decide if Zach Charbonnet is more of like a comment on Ken Walker or if it's a comment on everything else in the Seahawks offense. And I kind of tend to think it's a comment on everything else in the Seahawks offense. I think Pete Carroll probably still loves Ken Walker and intends for him to maybe be in like that 16 to 20 carry range, but that Charbonnet is about, they don't want to pass as much as they did last year, even though they had success. That's just not Pete Carroll's game. He does want to be more balanced. They threw more Geno Smith than they ever did with Russell Wilson and also, just they got caught so short in the running game. I made this point on a recent podcast, but like they were giving carries to Tony Jones, who just should not have been on the field. And DJ Dallas never panned out. Travis Homer never panned out. And when Ken Walker was banged up last year, they just had zero depth in the backfield. And I do wonder if Charbonnet, it's weird that you would do this with a second round pick, but if this is more about making sure they don't get caught short in the backfield again making sure they have more options to not have to pass 35 times every game. And I think they probably think it was a career year for Geno Smith because it probably was a career year for Geno Smith, but it's maybe taking some of the pressure off Geno and it's getting back to more like truly balanced Seahawks football that they like to play. That That's definitely fair. And it's, you know, if you, if you, if, if you was to say, well, they took Zach Charbonnet in the second round. Well, yes, we won a good player. You know, we want, we want just like you said, they had Tony Jones out there. We like to, you know, if something does happen, we want a good player. So you have to get those in the second round. So, yeah, you know, I definitely uh, get it from that perspective. Danny, what do you think about Ken Walker, RB15? Uh, it's too too rich, too rich for my blood. Uh, I mean, it could, could end up being good if Charbonnet misses time or is just not as involved as we think. But uh, – Every indication says that uh, <laughs> that he's he's going to be part of the part of the, part of the system there in the backfield. I'm the only Roto World drafter or ranker who apparently has any faith in that because I did have him ranked as the RB16. Danny, you had him ranked as the RB20. Lawrence, you had him ranked as the RB22. And oh, I just think it's more of like a talent bet for me. And I mean, a guy too who who basically he was his pre-draft profile as a rookie. Like he lived up to what he was supposed to do coming out of college. I mean, I agree. The uh, second round running back. Uh, yeah, concerning. You're a good player. J- uh, James Conner, too. That's another guy who around that area who's going to get like, hey, he might be going out there with Colt McCoy as his quarterback, but ain't nobody taking them touches away from him. That's so true. real quick on Kenneth Walker, who he's going he's going one spot behind Jameer Gibbs, Denny. Do you want Jameer Gibbs or do you want Ken Walker? Oh, Gibbs. 
Woohoo! Oh, oh yeah. Sure Lawrence, I know Lawrence loves <laughs> Gibbs. He's Easy maybe, money for me right there. Yeah, man. He's going to maybe talk about Jameer Gibbs. In a <laughs> uh, Najee Harris is going two spots ahead of Kenneth Walker. Do you want Najee Harris or Ken Walker, Denny, as Lawrence thinks? Uh, uh, Ken Walker. Yeah, come on, man. What do you say, <laughs> Lawrence? Uh, look, I got to look at what, what's my ranking. I, 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 if I got Kenneth Walker at 22, I definitely got Najee probably a couple of spots higher. You got that. Najee at 21, actually. Yeah, so <laughs> it, it, and that goes to show you why I haven't had a fast answer with that. So give me Najee by like this much. This is crazy. This is uh, not you guys. Brees Hall rehabbing Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker. That's hard. I mean, that's that's tough because we don't know anything. Um, we don't. Give me Brees Hall. Yeah, I mean, probably Brees Hall, but I guess me, along with everybody else, will change our minds if there's a negative report in August about Brees Hall. You know? I tend to agree more with the very aggressive Kenneth Walker ADP than you guys do, but it'd be a very interesting one because there's clearly a golf of opinion. We've heard Lawrence's overdrafted players, Denny Carter. Uh, who is your overdrafted player that you want to talk about? It's player singular. Denny and I both came with one overdrafted player. Yeah. Uh, by the way, it's kind of hard to find underdrafted players, but uh, or well, you said under or over? No, no this is over. Over, over, over. over. Yeah. Yes, hard to find overdrafted players. Darren Take Waller. Take over. Yes, <laughs> Darren Waller uh, going off his tight end eight. So the thing, there are a few things, a few concerning things about Darren Waller. Uh, you know, he had a, he was an old breakout, right, in, in the NFL. He's entering his age 31 season, which doesn't seem right because it doesn't feel like he's been around that long. But again, when you break out at 26, that's what that's what happens. Um, so here are some, some nerdy uh, reasons for concern about Darren Waller as he plays his first season with the Giants after <laughs> Josh McDaniels uh, ruined his uh, engagement surprise and uh, <laughs> subsequently... <laughs> Part of ways with them for that for some reason. Um, uh, really bizarre situation, but uh, so Waller's yards per route run has dropped in each of the past three seasons. Uh, he has a career five point five yards after the catch per reception. Stick with me, folks. Last season that fell to two point eight, a career low. Okay, um, what I'm saying is that Darren Waller might be on the washed-ish side. Ooh, washed and is very, very strong. Wow, Denny, wow. I do, <laughs> I do want to say, I do want to say that his his average depth of target, Waller's A dot in, in Vegas, increased to like absurd levels in his final two seasons where it was like he was either going to catch the long, the deep ball or no, or nothing. Uh, and and that made him a very volatile. So they're turning him into Hayden Hurst. That's what you're saying. So if if the Giants and and this could happen, you know, and and it could make me look pretty silly if the Giants are just so hungry for, you know, uh, a reasonable pass catcher in that offense, they're just going to dump it off to Darren Waller ten times a game at five yards off the line of scrimmage. Hey, you know what? Those are PPR points, and hey, that he could maybe fall into the end zone once in a while. But I mean, as far as production goes, there are some some issues going on with Darren Waller. Yeah, the money printer goes burr all the same in PPR, Denny. Doesn't yes. matter. I'll be I will say to like the maybe washed point, it could just be maybe breaking down where he's turning 31 and he's missed 14 games with injury over the past two years. That right. that's a pretty concerning thing with Darren Waller, actually. Is he's a smaller tight end. No, it's actually not. I don't know why. I always picture him. I think it's because he's not so rocked up. I always think he's like six one or six two, but he's actually like six five, I think. Yeah, but he's not like as rocked up as some of the tight ends. I feel like he takes kind of a physical beating. It's more of like a catch first tight end. I don't even what is Darren Waller's blocking reputation actually. I don't think it's poor, but well, he's pretty pretty average as a blocker. Not definitely not bad. Uh, so I, I'll speaking of his physique, uh, I got I, I got a chance to meet him in person during the super bowl week so I mean, come on he, in person any he might play. he might be rock but it, i will say this too though there was like 60 other nfl players in there we'll talk about that off the air but <laughs> since we're talking about darren waller right now he might be rocked up might yeah. be oh he's he's first of all he's probably very fit but you gotta be like yeah, he's you, you gotta be jacked up you gotta be jacked up to be like a really 
I don't know if he's jacked up. He's I'm sure he's like shockingly fit. Yeah, um, no, nah, not jacked up, but yeah, like there you go. Well, he don't he don't he don't look like JJ Watt. Yeah, there we but, go. But he don't look like, you know, Randy Moss either. You know, the player that Denny and I have met who, I mean, you don't think he's small on TV, but was just absolutely enormous in person was C.D. Lamb. Like, C.D. is like, wow. Yeah, yeah. This guy's an NFL wide receiver for sure. Yeah, <laughs> like, this yeah, guy is yeah. so, so enormous. But I, just Darren Waller, I do worry he's maybe breaking down. He is. He's come to the right place for targets. And he's also come to the right coach for scheming targets. Whereas John Gruden, you kind of had to like give him credit for how many targets he got Darren Waller's way. Josh McDaniels seemed far less talented at that. Josh McDaniels seemed far less talented at everything than John Gruden, uh, who was a meme hire off the old TV and seemed to be just much better at coaching than Josh McDaniels. Probably a very concerning sign if you're a Raiders fan. But he's come to the right place for targets, and he's got a great coach, Denny and Brian Dable. Yeah, I mean, and this could look absolutely ludicrous. And I, I will say the tight end eight – is not exactly. I mean, you know, it, you have him ranked like, as the tight end nine, by the way, and he actually is going as the tight end seven. Um, so there's is. a okay. there's okay. a bit of a golf there. So I actually don't I don't think uh, that it's it's a ludicrous ADP, but I do find myself in that range wanting other players who are there over over a Darren Waller. I guess it's just the way I've been approaching tight end. It's like you either get like the elites or you wait and wait and wait and wait. And the I, elites. I just, you, you the know, elite. The, you, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, maybe Mark, right. Mark <laughs> Andrew, Mark Andrews too, I guess. But eh. oh, right, right. No, uh, no one, no one is like Kelsey. We're not going to play that game this year. No, <laughs> we can't. I the tried. Darren, I the, tried. I did too. The bow I'll put on Darren Waller is just. I'm basically out on him just because of his age and injury history, and like. I cannot bet in a 31-year-old tight end who's been hurt a bunch the past two years. Like switching to a new team, I'll probably just won't do that. But the ADP is inter- is it's reasonable enough where there could be some value because the Giants desperately need a new like targets hog. And it could easily be Darren Waller. The guy I wanted to talk about being overdrafted, and I don't really know for sure like the conviction I hold this opinion with, but every time I see Calvin Ridley going as a wide receiver 16, I'm like, whoa, like man, like. This guy was old to begin with when he broke into the league yeah. and was, was so good, but he's already 28. He has not played football since October 2021. He was having a very bad season in 2021 before he went down. A very strange season. There was a lot of stuff going on there with Calvin Ridley in Atlanta. So he, he's got a clean slate. He seemed like someone who needed and wanted a clean slate. But as a guy who's not been out of the league for almost two years and going somewhere – they had like a very established t- targets hierarchy last year. And Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram were just vacuuming up all the targets for the Jaguars. And all were fantasy relevant with the targets they were seeing. Just a lot of guys who were commanding looks and then throwing him into that mix and just like assuming he's going to immediately be basically like a pseudo wide receiver one. He's the, the wide receiver 16 right now, but it's been climbing. And I, I just don't know what you guys think about Calvin Ridley as the wide receiver 16 because it strikes me – is very, very aspirational. I think, Denny, did you write about this for our draft guide in Calvin Ridley? What are I your did. thoughts? I did, and I think that's a good word, aspirational. Aggressive is another word that comes to mind. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think everything we learned about the Jags last year was that this offense has a pretty flat target distribution. You know, like there's, there's probably not going to be one guy who has like a, a spiked target share and then everybody sort of falls in line. Yeah, Denny, so to interrupt you real quick, I was kind of hinting like – They've got like it's like a narrow offense, but you're right. No one like no one like dominated the target share. No, and so you have so you have Ridley going 33rd overall right now. Uh, Christian Kirk is going 51st, and then you have Evan Ingram 91st. I know he's tight end, so it doesn't really count. Then you have Zay Jones at 125th, and I'm and I'm thinking, guys, that Zay Jones could see almost as many targets as Calvin Ridley this year. And Christian Kirk could see more targets than Calvin Ridley. Now that that, that, I could see, sorry, Lawrence, we're just leaving Christian Kirk for dead. Sorry. That part is weird, but you go Lawrence. I I ain't going to bet on Zay Jones coming that close to targets (laughs) with Calvin Ridley. Uh, I mean, this is how I look at it, right? Calvin Ridley's wearing number zero. I look at the length of the hair, and that's pretty much why he should be a top five. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Look, he so Zay Jones last year 
80 plus catches, 800 yards. Um, Christian Kirk, 80 plus catches, uh, 1100 yards. So, right, there, it, it seems like there's, it would be no room, but he's kind of like, I, I would say, I would put it like this. This is how I thought about it. And it doesn't mean I don't like, cause I'm kind of, uh, you know, in neutral with Calvin Ridley right now. I asked myself this question. Is he the best receiver out of all of them, including Evan Ingram? I say to myself, yes. Um, he'll come in, replace Marvin Jones, right? But not really that production. I would expect Zay Jones to have the production that Marvin Jones had and for Ridley to slide into at least, at the very least, what Zay Jones was able to do last season, which wasn't much. Like I said, 80 catches, 800 yards, uh, four or five touchdowns. But I, I would like to think that, uh, you know, the talent at this point, especially with Zay Jones, if it's anything, it's between Christian Kirk and uh, Calvin Ridley. I mean, I would think that's why they, uh, that that's why they traded for him. So it, it's basically like, hey, it's either you just bet on the talent, because like you said, Pat, only five games played. He was in and out of the lineup. There was no crazy numbers. So there's really nothing to go off of to feel like he could just come out there and get you 1,500 yards, except for the fact that he himself said it. You know, he was he was like, if I play, you know, this amount of games, I'm getting you 1,500 yards. And we believe that if this 2021 we're talking about. So it's really just like, hey, how is this uh, Jaguars team going to put him into is is going to implement him in this offense? They got to have big plans for him. And that if you're for Calvin Ridley, you have to, you know, you know, that's what you got to feel like. You have to feel like, you know, the talent's there. But if you're not, it's like, yeah, they do have a lot of weapons. Evan Ingram was helping. He was helping me and I'm sure a lot of others you know, push through the fantasy playoffs. You get a tight end in the fantasy playoffs scoring double-digit points, like you heel clicking all the way to the fantasy <laughs> championship, you know? So it'll definitely be interesting. We do know it'll be great for Trevor Lawrence and yes. for from a football perspective, definitely tough to figure out uh, from, a, uh, from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, Ingram went nuts in the second half of the season. Yeah. And I just and it, realized – oh, you go, Denny. It was all – Ingram was all just little, like, five-yard, six-yard receptions. And oh, so man, man. it was, a, it was they, a cheat code. The PPR checks cash all the Look, same. I think you guys are underestimating <laughs> the power of Zay, okay? Like, uh, coaches love Zay Jones more they than do. their own children. Okay? They do. That is true, Tre- actually. Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence talks about Zay Jones like that's his actual brother. Okay, like they like he he they have like a real, real connection. And Zay Jones has always been this way, by the way. No one's saying he's not a nice guy, didn't he? With the Raiders and look, with the Raiders, <laughs> with the Raiders, it was the same thing. We and we said, Oh, he can't possibly keep getting targets. And it doesn't if the if the coach runs him out there and, and plays hundred percent of snaps, he's gonna see targets. So I I just I I think that Ridley's uh ADP should probably be more like wide receiver like 24 25 somewhere in there. Well, three, you, Lawrence, you go Lawrence. I know I was just going to ask Denny if in two wide receiver sets you feel like it's going to be Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley or Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. I mean pro- probably probably Zay Jones and Ridley. Oh. And not Christian Kirk. I mean Kirk, Kirk played a lot of slot last year. So yeah, I I he can play outside yeah. though too, Denny. He did. He played a little. I, I, I just, I don't think that there's going to be. I think it'll be rotational, probably. It'll be interesting. Like, I do think it'll be, it'll be. It'll be Kirk. It could be that, yeah, for sure. Kirk and Gridley are going to lead, and I think they will probably soundly outsnap Zay. But I think what it comes back to me with Ridley is the wide receiver sixteen, and I can't necessarily articulate the reasons. I feel he's like being overdrafted. I just I, the reason I think I put him on this list. Is there's just there's no draft scenario right now where I would be the one taking Calvin Ridley. It's like I maybe I wouldn't come in with like I'm not going to draft Calvin Ridley, but there's always going to be someone who wants Calvin Ridley more than me, basically at that draft point. That's a good way to think about it. And I just don't see that changing right now. Yeah. And also the main reason I'm not taking him is uh, 2021 was the first year I was in on Calvin Ridley. Ooh, and uh, boy, <laughs> boy, I was a late adopter to the Calvin Ridley hype. See that, that that that's on you. You didn't predict what he was gonna do that year. You just 
Yeah, but you listen, hey, once upon a time, Calvin Ridley was the fourth best receiver in fantasy it, with Julio on his team. It's crazy. I was a late adopter. I didn't think that like he was like elite enough of an athlete, but it turned yeah. out he was just such a tactician. So I got yeah, on board yeah, yeah. for 2021 and uh yikes. <laughs> yeah. Remember, Your family remember. left you, which was really tough. They did. It's been quite been quite quite traumatizing. <laughs> um and it seems like probably a good time for a break. We will be right back after this. Every season is draft season. Get your Roto World Draft Guide bundled today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts. It's packed with profiles, rankings, and projections. Order today and get all three Roto World Draft Guides for the price of two. Plus, use promo code Barry and save an extra 20% off at checkout. That is promo code B E R R Y to save an extra 20% off at checkout. And don't forget, Download the Rotorold app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It is available in your app store today. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life. Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Somebody's got to be negative for 35 minutes. It's time to be positive. Um, some players who are being underdrafted, although maybe we'll be negative on the people ignoring these players. And That's what's right. Wrong with them? We will uh, condemn them. We're going to start with Denny this time, uh, who's two underdrafted players. Denny, who is the first underdrafted player you want to talk about? And I can't believe this is real. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, well, all I can say before you say the players, it's it's going to count this time. This time it counts more than ever, harder than ever, really. It's Kyle Pitts, folks. And I think Lawrence will be with me here, hopefully. Uh, you know, everything about Kyle Pitts's profile over the past two seasons, and especially last year, says that it's going to count one day it's going to count this. He, he is dominant in every way, every little peripheral stat that you can pick out of your spreadsheet. He blows up. I'll read some of them to you because, Hey, you know what? It's may and and we have time to fill. Okay. He's going as tight end five, uh, 63rd overall right now. Um, which is, which is well below by the way, where he was going last year. He's going in the forties last year. So then it must uh, be good. Just get, just just hold on a second. Withhold your judgment for just a moment. Before his Week 11 injury, Pitts was second among tight ends with a 27% target share, and he was tied with Mark Andrews for the highest air yard share among and tight ends. Did it matter whatsoever? I I know the air look. I know air yards shares don't pay the bills. I know that doesn't put food on the table. Okay. This is literally what my wife told me when she left. But it but eventually, this is the thing about the process. Eventually it can. Eventually, you know, those air yards, they magically like a <laughs> like a you know butterfly, uh, a caterpillar turning into a butterfly, become food on the table and you start eating a butterfly. I don't know where I'm going. You sound like you've really rationalized this to yourself in a bathroom mirror. And yeah, and Melissa, uh, if you're listening, please come back. I have I please have more. I have more. Then he needs you back. Then he needs you back. Listen, listen to this, okay? Uh, Kyle Pitts had the lowest rate of catchable targets of any NFL pass catcher last year with at least 50 targets, okay? Really low-quality quarterbacking. Uh, Just stop. I don't want to hear anything about Desmond Ritter right now. Or Um, how maybe Drake London had success under the same circumstances. Curious. 
That is curious. very curious. It's it mostly it was mostly Mariota. I mean, this is this is what I what I'm getting at is that Marcus Mariota was atrocious last year, and Kyle Pitts paid the price, and we all look silly because of it, right? And so so now, okay, in investment circles, they say there's blood in the water around Kyle Pitts. Blood in the water. Okay, I'm a big investment guy, big Wall Street fan, and and I'll say this. I'm 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 now I'm in. I was out on Kyle Pitts last year. I'm I'm now in because we have we have some room to work. We have uh uh last year you're you're drafting him at his absolute ceiling, I thought, because of the nature of the Atlanta offense and everything. This time we have some wiggle room, okay? He doesn't have to be great in order to exceed his ADP. Does this make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, especially about the part where uh, where there was uncatchable targets. There was this video going around uh, Twitter last week from Falcons, folks. Because when when you really get down to it, these fan bases on Twitter they all the same. Trust me, they they're all the same. Um, so no it was ba- good and bad things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it, it was basically a highlight of Marcus Mariota overthrowing Kyle Pitts on deep balls. It, it, it was actually... It was bad. <laughs> it was... I didn't even realize it was that bad. But when you put them all together in a compilation video and, you know, just point it out, I'm like, damn, Kyle Pitts should have had, like, nine touchdowns, you know, and I'm he should have had five before he was lost for the, for, you know, for the season. Um, I'll say, I'll say this, too. Right. Um, Desmond Ritter didn't he didn't get to start uh, until week 15, 16. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how that happened. But the young he he showed enough to for the Falcon staff to be like, hey, we gonna go into this season with him. What I do know is Desmond Ritter don't play scared. He never scared. He go out there and, and he ball. But uh, or, you know. He going to try to ball this season. but <laughs> He will attempt to ball. That is a much better way to put it. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah no. I, I mean, I, I like this. Like, I, f- I feel, you know, once I saw Desmond Ritter play, obviously he didn't get to play with Kyle Pitts. And I'm just looking like, man, why did this take until the last quarter of the season? We could have really been seeing what, you know, Desmond Ritter could do with his full array of weapons. And – uh Pat, you said something about how Drake London had some success with the same Marcus Mariota, but that same Marcus Mariota wasn't trying to throw the ball deep as often as he was to Kyle Pitts and just missing them, overthrowing left and right. You really got to see that highlight video. It is, <laughs> it is something. So Arthur Smith came out and said last week, uh, you know, Kyle Pitts was going through some things. That's probably the injury. Who 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 knows what else? But he said Kyle Pitts was going through some things last season. He's gonna have a big year this year. Again, there's probably five other players on the offense. He say the same thing about. But that's that's what we got to go with. You know. Well, it means is gonna have a huge year if he's still on the Falcons. <laughs> right. To the Drake London point. He had more success with Desmond Ritter. So to your guys' point, and to what you guys guys have both been hinting at, Mar- Marcus Mariota really is this kind of like uniquely bad quarterback, mainly for the reason he's just uniquely conservative. Like he won't pull the trigger on tough throws. Just he just doesn't do it. He's so unaggressive as a passer, mm-hmm. and it was really bad for Kyle Pitts. Where it was kind of like a meme last year before anyone even made a compilation where, where there was like once a week, like wow, I probably would have hit. Uh, streaking Kyle Pitts, who was wide open for a 70 yard touchdown. If I were Marcus Mariota, that might have been something I would do as a quarterback instead <laughs> of just, like, taking a two yard sack instead. And it was bad. And so, yeah, I was laying on a little too many levels of irony with my Pitts analysis when Denny was talking, where he is still, he, he, he's still like an explosion waiting to happen. Like in yeah. theory, it's just that I feel like it's now the third straight year where his ADP is based more in theory than practice. Like, but, like, but how not, many times we touch this stove? We're like, we, we can't just bet on his like unique athletic profile forever. And Desmond Ritter, like, might be he might be a slight upgrade on Marcus Merida, but there's a chance that he's like not really even an upgrade. 
And he's just still got I, he a gonna lot be of, a, he gonna be an upgrade. He still has got a I lot hope. of there's there is a path where Kyle Pitts exceeds being the tight end five, which is an aggressive ADP. But I think there's still this far too many paths where he does not reach well, that. So uh, you know, beyond the tight end uh, ranking here, and you know, you said tight end five, and that, that's that's correct, and it's again well below where he was taken last summer. But when you when you look at who he's being drafted around. Um, and j- this is just for, for my personal taste, the way I, I draft teams. He's being he's being drafted around Mike Evans, uh, Jordan Addison, Kadarius Tony, and by that point in the draft, I I usually have like two, maybe three, really solid receivers that I feel pretty good about. And I get to that the fifth round, sometimes even the sixth, and I go, Do I want Kyle Pitts at my tight end spot, or do I want Jordan Addison as my wide receiver four? And the answer is always pits. Like I, I that's like a really good point. Yeah, I just, yeah. You know, I just feel like if you, if you really are building your team that way, uh, then pits makes sense there. Now, if you're going running back heavy, it, it, you might it might be a little different, and it also depends on flex spots and stuff. Uh, but I think that Ritter and Taylor Heineke, and Heineke's probably going to get some play this year. Uh, are you know he ain't getting no play. He don't don't put that out there, Denny. See, I was with you. I was with you. If the, if the Falcons have to see Taylor Heineke, the Falcons are in trouble. Oh yeah, they're, they're in trouble. Oh, they're in humongous trouble. But no. I think no. Lawrence, I'm afraid it's all too plausible, man. I, Desmond Ritter is like, I feel like he's like too fundamentally sound, man. Like this guy, like will not go off script. Like uh, he, oh, yeah. he, he he attempts more difficult throws than Marcus Mariota, though. I I tell I, I here I I tell you this. People will be starting Desmond Ritter in fantasy this year, 2023. People are going to be starting Desmond Ritter, that guy who didn't get to start till week 16 in 2022. They're going to be starting him in fantasy. Book that. That's that's bold. You got to remember that one. Write that one down. Don't forget that one. Yeah, please. Book Producer that. Adam. Take that to the bank, baby. <laughs> clip, to- clip that one, please. Denny, I guess we better move on to your second underdrafted player. And this one's an interesting one because I've, I've seen some people saying he's overdrafted. I don't know how I feel about this certain wide right. receiver. Going as the wide receiver 29, who is it, Denny? It's Chris Godwin, folks. And I'm not I, – I just recently came to the Chris Godwin light, okay? I, I woke up one night and I saw it <laughs> right in front of me and I said, my you God. You flew into it and it zapped you. I said, Chris Godwin is being underdrafted. I can't believe it. And then I went back to sleep. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but he's the number he's the number one receiver in his offense, as putrid as that offense could be this year while they rotate Kyle Trask, who has never played a game in the NFL, and Baker Mayfield, who was the worst quarterback in the NFL last year. By a uh, wide, wide, wide. Yeah. And wide margin. Somehow, somehow Baker still has a job i it's unbelievable um start starting job he should have a job but it's incredible that he's going into the season as a starter can i sidetrack the podcast really quick baker needs to retire and become an actor yeah Um, those progressive commercials the man he brought it i'm assuming he doesn't have them anymore because he's not good Uh, but he brought it yeah no he he does not unfortunately (laughs) he does not have those anymore but i i have to credit him because um, Baker Mayfield is definitely the worst pro athlete ever to have a national ad campaign. Yes, right? no, it's true. But <laughs> at least it was a number one overall pick. Uh, I mean, some of the NBA players, who's the really tall guy, Bohan or whatever? He's got like oh, a state. Bobin, yeah, Bobin. Bobin, yeah, he, he's yeah. probably the worst. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, but when you're like nine foot two inches, they're going to yeah. find something for you to do. Yeah. They are, they are also delightful. But anyway, so. <laughs> Yeah, back, back to May, um, not Mayfield. Back to Godwin, real quick. Um, so our our Baker loves to check down. Uh, he had the fourth lowest average at the target last season and the fourth lowest air yards per attempt. That should fit Godwin's profile quite well. Uh, Chris Godwin runs a, a bunch of short routes, plays about 70%, 70 percent, seventy to seventy five percent from the slots. F- for Mike Evans, I think this is apocalyptic. And for Chris Godwin, we could get a PPR cheat code, which uh, I'm, I'm not going to turn down. Before we get to you, Lawrence, where, where, where I feel like I am with Chris Godwin is I kind of feel like he's this year's Tyler Lockett. Where like last year, everyone, I mean, we were still kind of in on DK Metcalf just because he's such he's so big. He's such a freak. He's a big play threat. He's a touchdown scorer. We didn't fully fade 
DK Metcalf, but Tyler Lockett was like faded into the thirties last year. Yeah. And it was just because of this fear of Geno Smith, but somewhat understandable. He barely played between 2014 and 2021, but I thought he was underdrafted even at the time. Cause I'm like, listen, like the quarterback downgrade could be really severe. And it of course ended up being an upgrade, but I'm like, yeah, like they still have to throw the ball. Like there's still going to be pass attempts and they're still going to only go to really two or three guys. And it's the same thing with the bucks. Like no matter how bad the quarterback play is, like the targets are going to be going to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and especially Chris Godwin. And like Chris Godwin is the kind of guy kind of like Tyler Lockett. He's like made, he's like almost like quarterback proof. Cause he's just going to get you like the cheap, easy looks. And even with the severe quarterback downgrade, it's not like they can stop throwing the ball in the NFL. And Chris Godwin is just, he's made to vacuum up these kind of easy looks. That's why I do find the fade to almost wide receiver 30 to be, really, really like worst case scenario being envisioned by these best ball drafters. What Any happened? Thoughts? What, what, what Any happened? thoughts yet, Lawrence? What happened when Baker Mayfield get to rolling right? Like he like he loves to do that. Like Tom Brady didn't do all that. Tom Brady would just like pew, 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 you yeah. know what I'm saying? Baker Mayfield. Hey man, I'd rather see Kyle Trask in there. I I, I like <laughs> both. I I'm. I rather I would like both receivers better if Kyle Trask. We already know, like I seen Baker Mayfield play a plenty of times. Like I seen him play for two teams last year. There's a reason he played for two teams last year. Hey, maybe I'm not maybe, but obviously the Bucks know something about Kyle Trask. We don't um coming into year three. But hey, he was behind Tom Brady. That gotta mean something. He never got to play like Denny mentioned earlier. Give me him. That's a straight drop back passer who don't got the ability to yeah. roll right. So just throw in Kyle Trask in there at some point. Probably won't start the season that number uh starting off. But you know, throw him in there and then give me yeah, give me Chris Gowan and Mike Evans. Oh, oh I don't know about it. yeah. Well wow, that's strong. But uh the Oh, you mean with Kyle Trask? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. He only Definitely. wants he only wants K dot, and even though he's talking up Chris Godwin, he's yeah. only gonna be drafting K. Uh, I have to say, just real quick about Baker, and I know we've been tough on him, but I'm gonna continue to be tough and say that <laughs> no player, no player, has ever thought he's fast and been as slow as Baker. Mayfield. <laughs> Baker Mayfield thinks he's like this athlete who can like escape the pocket and dodge defenders and it's actually painful to watch he's so slow he's one of the slowest quarterbacks in the league he is very slow and he's who who, who are you taking a race baker mayfield or aaron Rodgers right now oh man i think Rodgers for sure because like 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 prime aaron Rodgers, no question but right now i think even now Rodgers is just so wily baker is not wily (laughs) Rodgers is wily He's it's not like Aaron Rodgers can still like dance out of a sack with like just his footwork alone. Yeah, but right, right. Baker not doing that. When Baker takes off, I mean, it's. I feel like I can't even look at the screen. I'm just like, oh my god, oh my. You know, it's honestly one of the 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 true goats in that. And thinking they're fast and not being fast is Russell Wilson. Thank <laughs> 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 you. Russell takes off no, like, he, like he's he, a sprinter, he, and then he, he gets dragged that, down. By that, that, that's how he looked now, but back in the early he days, like fast, yeah. he he do he did kind of slow up a little bit. Though. Yeah, he, now he looks like a grandpa, like high Get, stepping, getting run down by defensive tackles. It's very visually unpleasing too watching Russell run. I was like, please, can I cut the camera away from this? <laughs> no one wants to see this. this. Yeah, I ain't reading all that, man. Like, it's, it's weird. It's off putting. I've got children in the room with me I'm asking me why that man is running like that <laughs> and I have nothing to say to them Lawrence there was a running back you believe is being underdrafted uh, you had two underdrafted players we're only going to do one the public can never know who the receiver was we're going to talk about the running back though the name we mentioned earlier in the show who is it yeah let's talk Jameer Gibbs uh underdog ADP running back 14 you might feel like hey that's decent for a rookie running back but it's not just uh, – Jameer Gibbs is not just any run, rookie running back. He's not going to just any offense. He's going to the, you know, last year's fourth-ranked offense in the Lions, taking on a role that the Lions wanted to give to DeAndre Swift. He got in the doghouse. Swift wasn't drafted by Dan Campbell, but Jameer Gibbs was. And at 12 – very controversial pick for a lot of people. Well, those people just don't like good football players on good offenses, but I do 
but I do. Penny and I stand accused. Yeah, I, listen. One, you'll you'll learn to like good football players one day, Patrick. I um, might. Denny never will. Never. <laughs> Denny never will. He he, but he likes Kyle Pitts though, so that counts. Um, I, when I Denny actually, accidentally sees a game, like he sees Kyle Pitts play one time, he's like, "All right, I'm in on this." I was game. like, "Oh, oh this guy's pretty good." Yeah, he, no, he, I, he he must have caught him on that one five reception eighty yard game and was like, "Okay, I'm done now." I, that's right. I said, "Oh, why is no one talking about this guy?" Look at this guy. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I actually think Jameer Gibbs could finish as a top 10 running back in fantasy. I personally have him as running back seven, despite all the struggles that DeAndre Swift faced last year, you know, in and out of the lineup, losing touches to Justin Jackson, my cousin, not really, but, um, you know, missed three games in and out with injuries, you know, he still gained 930 yards from scrimmage. That's from a dude that they didn't even like. Mm-hmm. You know, they like Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs is an elite receiving option out of the backfield. When you can average 40 receptions your final two years in college where they played 12 games and you're coming from the SEC, that's just screaming, you know, 75, 80 catches as a rookie, something, you know, that guys like Alvin Kamara and Najee Harris was able to do off the rip. So if I'm getting Jameer Gibbs at uh at, at running back 15, if I'm drafting him as running back 15, I'm looking, I feel like I'm getting a great steal in a PPR format. Justin Jackson, who you mentioned, by the way, also a friend of labor. Go on, Denny. Um, yes, yes, he is. Uh, uh, Jameer Gibbs strikes me as a guy who will be drafted correctly and or possibly overdrafted. Catastrophically bait. incorrectly. He's got a wide range of outcomes, I feel like. It, well, what I mean is in, sa- in savvy leagues and leagues with, you know, lots of experienced fantasy managers, like, you know, people who have been grinding uh, uh, film and spreadsheets for six months before the season – then they're going to be targeting Gibbs. But I do think that in more casual leagues, they're going to be like, eh, Gibbs, rookie, never heard of him. Let's uh, let's go with the, you know, I don't know, Ken Walker instead. I've heard Melvin of Gordon. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, What's he up to? I, I could see I could see Gibbs uh, having a pretty uh, wide-ranging ADP according to league format or or I guess league experience. That's, that's kind of what happens to – uh, to, to rookie running back sometimes, unless they are like, obviously B. John Robinson is going to be taken in the first round of every league. But I, I think Gibbs could be a, a major value if, if you, if you join your office league. And you just well, what I'll say about Gibbs is I don't think he's a threat to be like a bad player. I do agree with Lauren. He's a pretty intriguing player who I kind of wish had landed somewhere else because I hate, I'm not trying to be like the DMOT guy, but like they gave David Montgomery a non-trivial amount of money and he's like Jamal Williams, where he he's like the classic jack of all trades, master of none, except for he's better than Jamal Williams was at his state stage in his career last year. And he's like a guy who doesn't need to come off the field. Like if they're yeah. running hot, he can stay in the game at the goal line. He can stay in the game on third down. And I, I think the Lions could maybe even be surprised how much trouble they have getting Gibbs on the field. Sometimes, relatively speaking, he's going to be on there. They will force him onto the field, but maybe. I think they might now be thinking they'll be able to play him more than they actually end up doing if if David Montgomery does begin the season as the RB1, and which I guess maybe isn't a given. Uh, yeah, he, he, I, I don't like, I think David Montgomery, like when we see them line up week one, first play, it'll be David Montgomery. That's yeah. fine. Um, you say he don't have to come to the fi- off the field. He, he does have that type of skill set. It just ain't nowhere like so he does have to come off the field because he can't hold Jameer get jock he can't compete like the talent ain't even close right there but he does have that skill set he has that it's just not like Jameer Gibbs so it'll be a fun little it'll be a fun little you know little committee but you know I, I I I trust that Jameer Gibbs will be one of those nice little efficient running backs, you know, kind of like how Travis Etienne was coming on last season. I just, I do, I just feel like if they're going hot, like they get in the red zone, like whatever, let's just get the play in now. We don't need to make a sub. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting. 
I, I do feel like RB15 is probably too high for Jameer Gibbs. It's, but, uh, it's boring to say, but Montgomery is going to be a factor and probably a, a, a fantasy yeah, starter. It'll be, be a major factor. Yeah. I'll stick, I'll close the show by talking about another rookie running back who, this is one ADP. The, the, the ADPs strike me as good. Like your drafting public's gotten so good, especially these best ball drafters who now we know worship at the altar of Karain. They're all, they're so sharp. <laughs> they're just so, so sharp. But Devin A. Shane is the RB 36 that strikes me as like totally irrational. Like I, I don't understand it. He was the Dolphins second highest running back, seven, second highest draft pick. They only had four total draft picks. They clearly prioritized getting him on day two. It was a system, you know, the, the, it's a Shanahan system, which has long been predicated on the run by Kyle and Mike. Like, you can't have an ineffective running game. They just had not a terribly effective running game last year. It wasn't bad. It was just, like, a little too cobbled together, and it was never more than replacement level. You expect the Shanahan backfield to be much better than replacement level. I think they agree with this diagnosis of how aggressive they were in getting Devin A. Shane, someone that apparently Mike McDaniel personally lobbied very heavily for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, that he's, like, no-brainer going to be ahead of Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, Miles Gaskin if he makes the team. Um, I guess maybe he won't be like the primary early down back. He's so teeny tiny, a very small guy. Um, our Eric Froton said he doesn't run through the guy. He has to run around him. And that was kind of concerning to me. But it, just, it seems like he seems like the kind of player they want, an explosive play threat. He's a player they clearly targeted. It was a position of need. I just have a hard time believing. When you say someone's an RB36, you're, ba- you're basically saying they're not even flex relevant. Devin A. Shane or the, the really low-end flex and I just think he probably belongs more like the RB twenty-eight to thirty range. What do you guys think on Devin? That makes sense. I don't know if I don't know if you could go any higher than that, though. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the the Dolphins actually were top ten in rush EPA last year, so that that Shanahan system worked its magic seemingly with two subpar, uh, not subpar. More, some some weeks more than not too. That's why I kind of dialed back when I said it was ineffective because it wasn't ineffective, but it was. Basically, it's an ordinary rushing attack. And yeah. we don't expect ordinary from a Shanahan disciple, a Shanahan. And it, it got worse and more problematic as the year went on. Like, they were lucky Jeff Wilson uh, did what he did because Raheem Mostert went through a long stretch of just being, like, not good last year. And uh, sorry, yeah. you the thing, the thing with A Chain is that he's definitely never going to see more than, like, 12 touches in a game. He's not. But neither is Jameer Gibbs. Um, and he's the RB15. Man, are you guys both in for something with both of these guys? <laughs> yeah, for something. What do you Dev- think about Devin D- A chain? Devon A chain more so with the landing spot and, you know, kind of teaming up in the backfield with two guys who are, you know, you know, a little injured, a, a lot injured all the time. Yeah. Um, D- Devon A chain actually does I- I run through tack. Like he's a, he's a very, uh, he he's got a lot of contact in his game. Uh yeah, he won't carry the load like he did at Texas A&M. Um but definitely will be a factor early in the the point you made, Pat, about, you know, um I'm about to say Shanahan. What it Mike McDaniel Mike calling McDaniel. it ca- ca- calling a dude and like, hey man, you still fast or whatever. They took a <laughs> corner and then they took Divine A chain. He he'll He'll obviously he'll pay immediate dividends in the in the kick return game. He'll get some touches. It's like it's not like he's competing with you know these top running backs. He's not behind some top running back in the league. He's behind 49ers castoffs who work within a system. Uh, yeah, one what? <laughs> one, uh, one, Committee members. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, a, a system that you know you know, breed success for decent type running backs. Uh, again, yeah, he, he's not big. This is a dude I was like looking at a lot, a lot. So the, as soon as he got drafted by the Dolphins, I was like, yes, like this is what, this is what they need right here. Like uh, that Raheem Mostert is like a, he a speed guy. He, he, he ain't going to give you much. He ain't going to give you much shakeums and stuff like that. Jeff Wilson, you know, more of a more of a power runner, one cut guy, uh, but Devon A Chain could give you a little bit of all of that. And he has truck dudes. He might not do that in the league, but 
He ain't scared. So it'll like I, I think I got him at running back 28, 29 in that range. So to that end, uh I, I'm with you there. And I definitely think running back 36 is a little too low. If you're picking any dolphins running back, I think we'd all just take Devon A chain. Yeah. I just I bet he's gonna be the most prioritized running back in a Shanahan style system, is my opinion. Unless Mike McDaniel is like Shanahan where like draft capital doesn't matter. Like the second training camp starts, he's like, I don't even like this guy anymore. <laughs> I don't know why I drafted him literally three months ago, uh, but I don't like him anymore. So I'm over it. And I don't think that's going to happen with Mike McDaniel and Devin A. Shane. So, yeah. And by the way, I, uh, I was trying to one up you, Lawrence, when I say grocery baggers, because I was thinking when you called Will Levis a highway worker. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> one, one of the highlights i feel like of our pre-draft uh, conversations yeah um, we'll, we'll love it so I, I wish that man the best one more thing about <laughs> one, obviously <laughs> one, one more thing about divine a chain remember the dolphins came into last season when we're talking about strictly size here they came into the last season with the idea that chase Edmonds was going to be their top back. Ooh, remember mm-hmm. that guy? 5'9", <laughs> 195 type of guy. Like, that was Ooh. the plan. That's true. It, it, it didn't work out. You know, had a couple of games, 12 carries, 25 yards. It's not going to get it. You know, even though we got Tyreek Hill and Watt out here, we need more than that. And then Raheem Mostert started doing a little something. So it's like, I, I keep keep that in mind as well, too. Man, it's hard to remember the Chase Edmonds Dolphins era. That it was, really is. It, uh, it, moment it, was not as, it was not as good as we had hoped. No, it was not. This show was as good as we had hoped, though. This was really, really good stuff for May 25th. We got a lot of really animated conversations going. Yeah. Not a whole yeah. lot of news out there. So really, really good stuff. Appreciate Lawrence bringing it. Appreciate Denny bringing it. We won't be bringing any of it on Memorial Day. We're taking the day off. That's um, right. We're going to have one podcast next week. We'll be back later, late in next week. Uh, so for Lawrence Jackson, for Denny Carter, I am Patrick Doherty. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good holiday weekend. We'll be back later. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.